0: to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs, we love each other, but most of all, we love William Nylander.
1: Welcome to the Buds All Day
0: Pod. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Podcast. I'm Seth Mundine, joined by Noah Banks.
1: Hey, how's it going, guys?
0: And we are here to preview the rematch of the 2022 Eastern Conference first round playoffs Atlantic Division style against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have our Toronto Maple Leafs starting off with home advantage game one Tuesday night. Noah, it's a it's a nervous time right now. It's an exciting time. You were just saying before that you you were watching some hype videos to uh, to get a little bit gassed up for this series. So before we get started, just just a quick gauge on you. How are you feeling right now?
1: Oh man, I'm so fired up! This is what we wait all season for. I just, I can't wait to, uh, to see that puck get dropped and see the boys come out front of their playoffs. Like, of course, you're you're a little scared with the past playoffs, but you know it's it's hard not to be really fired up about how uh, how this team performed this year and how they look going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, how they look going into the playoffs, and then also when you consider how Tampa looked going into the playoffs, things are shaping up in the Leafs' favor. Um, I think if you took away the the jerseys that each team was wearing. And this was a series between, I don't know, Columbus and Pittsburgh. It, like the Leafs team, the Leafs roster would be heavily favored. It wouldn't be a question. But because of our history, because of Tampa's history, um, a lot of people think it might be a closer series than, than not. So it's going to be an interesting one. We'll preview pretty much all of the, uh, the different aspects of the series. Um, now, before we get into specifics, Let's just start about Tampa themselves and kind of what you think about this matchup. We've seen it coming for five months. So both teams, you know, they've had tons of time to prepare for this. They've been scouting each other probably the whole season. Um, So I want to ask you, like, do you think that playing the same team for a second year is a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it going to make us, you know, is it going to make the Leafs a little more nervous, gripping the sticks too tight? Or do you think some
1: of that confidence that they got from pushing them last year will carry over? I think it's a good thing. I think the Leafs know what it's like to go to Emily arena and they know what it's like to win a game when they won game three there last year. Uh, they know what it's like to play Andre Vasilevsky, you know, um, playing him four times every year versus playing him four times this year. And uh, like 13 times last year it makes a big difference. You know, you kind of figure out a goalie, you maybe know players tendency a little bit more, um, So I think it kind of, it builds on that. And I think that they might be a little bit hungrier, you know, I think that they think they believe they deserve to win last year. And I think that they're out to say last year was a fluke and we, we earned that series and we're going to go take it. So I think it could be a good thing and something that they might say, it's uh, it's time for us to show that uh, we are the better team. So I'm hoping it fires them up a little bit.
0: Yeah. They know they, they can play with this team. They did for seven games last year. They lost by a goal and you could argue that they should have won that series. Um, And then also, if you consider the fact that like coming into this series, the Leafs have added Ryan O'Reilly to last year's team, and they have what I would consider significantly better goaltending than they had last year, while Tampa's missing a top-four defenseman in Ryan McDonough who was traded to Nashville. They're missing Andre Palat, who was uh, signed by New Jersey. So these are two different versions of each other, and both teams have kind of gone in opposite directions. So logically, you would think, all right, the Leafs should kind of come out here and win. But we know that's not really how hockey works. Um, that guy on the other end, you talked about it. We we made him look pretty normal last year for at least the first five games. Vasilevsky finished with an 897 save percentage in the first round. So the Leafs shouldn't feel like he's, you know, some kind of unbeatable beast. Because even in, you know, even in game six, they lost that game, but they they scored three goals on him. Like he was he was really good the last two games. But, you know, they were still up in the third period of game six with a chance to win that series. So
1: yeah, Tampa, they seem like a really slayable beast right now. I I totally agree with you. I think game six last year, I think if you could go back and you could talk to Tampa, I think they would tell you that they were, they were out. I went back a few weeks ago. I watched that third period of game six, Tampa comes out for the first, like before they get that five on three, they had two shots on goal in the period. And they both came about 10 minutes into the period. They had jumbled up the lines. They had nothing going. They couldn't get consistent ozone time. Toronto just kept taking it out, bringing it up down the ice and getting shots on. Like, like that game was over, and then they get that power play, and they go and win the series. So just a bounce here, a bounce there. I know Toronto believes that they they had Tampa dead in the water last year, and it's time to, to not leave it up to a penalty here or a goal there. It's time to dominantly take this series and show that they earned it.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the numbers, like I said, would dictate that this should be a dominant series. The Leafs finished 13 points above Tampa. You know, they they beat them without two of their best players while Tampa was icing a full roster last week. But at the end of the day, it's still Tampa, right? A lot of people wondering, if are they just going to flip a switch? Have they not been trying? Have they, you know, been kind of taking it easy for the last few months, knowing that they're going to be facing the Leafs? So what do you think about that? Do you think that Tampa has another gear that they're going to reach? Or do you think that they were trying to reach that gear against the Leafs last week? Like, what do you kind of see coming from them uh, in game one?
1: I think that the Tampa team that we've seen kind of the last, since February 1st, isn't the roster that we're going to see on game one. I think they're going to come out and, you know, you, you have to give them credit. This is a team that's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. And um, if they do feel that they have another gear, this is a team that knows how to come and come together and get to that gear. So it's hard to discredit what they've done in the past but i also wonder they've played 71 playoff games um in the last 3 years maybe they're gonna they're getting a little tired slowing down a little bit um and is that gear even there and then i wonder how fast does it take to get them to flip that switch you know can you go from playing mediocre and falling kind of into the playoffs winning 3 of your last 11 games and then flipping a switch to a cup contender or does it take 2 or 3 games to get to that level so um Right now, I believe that they have that level, and Toronto has to watch out. This isn't going to be a cakewalk of a series. But I also don't think that Tampa finishes the season the way they do, and they can just kind of flip a switch and gain an extra twenty percent and be able to compete with Toronto. It might take a game or two to feel it out. Yeah,
0: and like especially with a guy like Hedman, who has, we'll talk about him a little bit more later when we compare defense, but like he's taken a significant step back in the regular season, and we saw something similar last year, a little bit where he kind of had a lesser season during the regular season. And then he was just an absolute beast in the playoffs against us. So he does have a level he can turn it to, but again, he he fell off by quite a bit this year, even beyond what he was last year, as did the whole Tampa team. Like they were under 500 over the last 25 games or something like that. Like, even if, a team is coasting. Like we've seen the Leafs do it in the past going into the playoffs. Like even when they were coasting, they were still playing above 500 hockey. They were still putting up points. But yeah, this Tampa team has been like by their standards, standards, absolutely dreadful. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, There's a lot of interesting matchups and there's, we got a lot of news today, kind of about what the lines could be coming into the series. So I want to start with the forwards. We saw Sheldon Keefe today at practice. He had bunting with Matthews and Marner. So the classic first line, um, but then he has O'Reilly between Tavares and Elander. Like we've seen a little bit to end the year. Um, and then the, the bottom six is what it is. Now, what do you think of that? Do you think that's the right move for the Leafs to make? Do you think we could see it change throughout the series? How do you see Keith uh, moving that?
1: I think for game one, this is the best lineup that they could ice. Uh, I really like the, uh, the top six especially. You know, those are, in my opinion, the Leafs' six best forwards. And I think that it's a good idea to take those guys and maybe try to run them a little bit more at five V five and really lean on them in games one and two. And hopefully as you control the matchup, you might be able to get those guys out against an extra fourth line and really try to push the pace and try to kind of force your way to take game one and two. Um, and then maybe change it as you go on the road uh, for Matt line matching purposes. But for game one, these are the lines I think you and I expected earlier um, that they would kind of run with and, I like them. And they uh, what I like about them is they they look similar to what Tampa's running. You know, the Leafs are are doing a uh, it's kind of a similar thing with the top, the big top line and maybe a checking second line that can use for matchup purposes and then a pretty good um, bottom six. So it kind of fits what Tampa's doing. So it'll be really good for uh, to kind of do battle against them.
0: Yeah, because to me, if you look at Tampa, they have that big loaded first line, like you mentioned. They have Stamkos with Point and Kucherov, and then they have a second line of Hegel, Sorelli, and Kalorn. Now, people might kind of write off that second line, given that the names aren't the biggest, even though, you know, Sorelli and Kalorn have had some amazing playoff series. But that threesome this year has had an amazing year. They've been around 60% expected goal. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that Sorelli line taking the tough matchups against Matthews, right? So. If they're going to probably hope that they can kind of play Matthews pretty evenly, keep it somewhat more low event, have Sorelli. We've seen him be a good defensive center in the playoffs. So I think it really makes that second line really important because we've seen Tavares and Nylander when they're with guys like Kerfoot, um, Yarnkroc at times, whatever it might be. We've seen them kind of struggle defensively. So I think Keith is pretty smart here to get Ryan O'Reilly on that line so that every time – the Kucherov point line is out. You can feel okay whether it's your second or your first line going against them. So you have to believe that Matthews, Bunting, Marner can be the best line in the series. If Tavares, Riley, or O'Reilly and Nylander can, you know, can play anything sort of close to even against a, a Stamkos line, I'm feeling pretty good about how we're lining up.
1: Yeah, I feel like if if what you said came to fruition, I think that the Leafs would be controlling most of the five v five minutes. Uh, I feel really confident in our bottom six over there is just with our speed and we're a little bit younger than their bottom six, uh, especially on that fourth line. Uh, So yeah, like if we could, if we were kind of looking at it like that and you're almost saying, well, it looks like the Leafs will take the five V five battle, then I could, uh, I could really see a a scenario where Toronto's uh, taking the series pretty quickly because I think, uh, I think that'd be hard for Tampa to match uh, without some ungodly performance from their power play and penalty kill. Yeah,
0: that or Vasilevsky, of course, but yeah, they're uh, their bottom six is really looking weak, especially when you take Tanner Geno out of there. I know he hasn't been great to begin with, but like that fourth line of Belmar, Perry, and Maroon has been terrible together this year. They're around 40% expected goals, all of the guys have big minuses on that line. Like, that's a fourth line where I feel like if we have Camp Lafferty and uh, and Zach Aston Reese out there, we could really assault them and then. We saw Matt Nyes, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but if things don't look great with that line, you have the, the option of throwing Matt Nyes in there, whereas Tampa does not really have many adjustments they can make with their line. They already have Essimont, a guy who, I'm going to be honest, up until a few months ago, I'd never heard of him in my life. He's on their third line right now. So the bottom six should be able to at least play even with Tampa's and, and probably you would hope outplay them. So when we're at home especially, I'm totally fine with, with having O'Reilly on that line because – you're not going to have a scenario where the where the Stamkos-Kucherov point line is put out there to face one of our bottom lines. So you're right. We can match them with the top two lines. So I, I do like having O'Reilly up there for now. Now on to the aforementioned Matt Nyes. Um, like I said, Keith did not have him in the top four lines at practice today. So it's looking like he's going to be in the press box for game one. Uh, Noah, do you think that's the right decision?
1: Originally, I thought that he should play. I was totally convinced he'd play in the Game 1 lineup after the three games. But I don't know if you heard, but Frank Corrado was kind of chatting about uh, Matthew Nyes and that he doesn't think that he should play Game 1 um, just because he didn't he didn't like the idea of sitting a guy like uh, like Aston Reese who came in on a PTO and he worked his bag off to, uh, to make the team and to play almost every game and then to take him out and put this rookie in who's played three games. And then if Nice struggles, then you're putting Aston Reese back in after a game or two in the press box where you've just killed his confidence. So he said it would be a lot easier um, to put Nyes in maybe later in the series, kind of fire the boys up a little bit, get everyone excited. So I think that personally swayed me, uh, and I could see him go later in the series. And honestly, like you said, just having that ability to throw a guy in that Tampa doesn't have could really help us out, you know, just fire the team up or – Change the complexion of the bottom six or the top six. So I think that that's a really valuable asset that Toronto has over Tampa right now.
0: Yeah, you would be putting a lot of pressure on Nice, too, to kind of show up. And if things go really bad for him in his first game, it's going to look a lot worse on Keith than if he, you know, plays Sam Lafferty and Lafferty just doesn't really do much. Um, Lafferty's probably the guy I would sit over Aston Reese because, like you said, he has been working his ass off. He's been playing really well. Um, but. Looking at last year's series, we had Kerfoot on the first line in game one. We had Nylander with Camp from the third line for game three. And then we saw the lines really change throughout the series. So I do expect to see Matt and I at some point in this series, unless the Leafs are just absolutely steamrolling Tampa um, and don't seem to be needing anything, you know, any kind of jolt or anything like that. But if that fourth line is not taking advantage of that terrible Belmar-Perry line that we've seen goon it up for so many years, um, you know, then put Nyes in there and maybe he can take advantage of that because that fourth line of Tampa is not exactly fast. And Matt Nyes, you know, his weakness right now is foot speed. So if you're going to throw Matt Nyes out there, you can put him maybe in a home game against that fourth line. And we saw it against, uh, against the Rangers, against those last three games of the year. Like He can create offensively, which is something you can't really say of many of the guys in our bottom six. So I think he's going to bring something valuable at some point in this series.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think you're totally right. He, he I think that he's going to play for sure at some point. They'll get him in. Um, they'll, there's bound to be injuries. There's injuries in every playoff series. Or uh, knowing the leaps, there'll be suspensions. Uh, because because uh, Department of Player Safety hates Toronto. But um, I just I, I believe in this team, and I believe in Nyes, and I think that it's a good opportunity for him to come in. He's the youngest player on the team by like almost four years. Uh, second to Liljegren. So you know you come in. It's not like like he's insulated really well. Um, the Leafs have good bottom six pros. If he's maybe not having a good game, you can you don't have to play him. You can kind of jumble your lines a little bit. So I think it's a really good situation uh, for the Leafs to be in. And if he ends up coming into play, I uh, I expect that he'd be uh, he'd be unreal and just continue the trajectory that he's on and uh, really push the pace here. And it just goes to show the depth of the Leafs. Like you look at Tampa, they have
0: guys like Perbix and. Radish in their top four and we're sitting Matt Nyes and Tim Lilligren. Like Tim Lilligren is a top four defenseman if he plays for Tampa right now. So that kind of takes me to defense where it's looking more and more like the Leafs have a bit of an advantage here. Like they're definitely the deeper team. You could say Tampa, they have the best defenseman in the series historically in Victor Hedman. Um, Sergeyev is having a great year. But if you look down the lineup on Tampa, that defense that they have is not exactly
1: scary. No, and I I don't think that there's been enough mention about the loss of Ryan McDonough. I've been saying it all year, but Ryan McDonough led the Tampa Bay Lightning in 5v5 minutes against Toronto. He led them in 5v5 minutes uh, in the playoffs last year. And having him on the right side as two of the Leafs' best players come down that side uh, in uh, Marner and Nylander, going against him and not having that anymore. And instead now it's Ian Cole and Sergachev who... For my view, isn't as great off the rush, and now you've got those two defending Matthews and Marner. I mean, um, Marner and Nylander. If it's not Hedman, I just don't feel as confident. If I'm Tampa with that matchup, so I think that we're going to see that be a bigger um, a bigger story. And you're going to have to put more responsibility on Hedman and really lean on him. And how does that? How effective does that make him? If you're relying on him to do everything, does he then become less effective because he's doing so much? And does that end up helping the Leafs out a bunch?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It's such a big loss because not only did he bleed in five-on-five five minutes, but he took the toughest minutes. Like, Victor Hedman was not getting the toughest assignments last year in the playoffs, and it's looking like he's going to have to do that this year. Um, and they have a real problem because him and Sergachev, even though Hedman's had a down year, which we'll go into a little more, he... He's still an amazing defenseman. I I think on The Athletic, he's still graded out as an $8 million defenseman, you know, where he's normally kind of like a $12 million type guy. But without Sergachev this year, he's been really bad. Like, he's at a, I think with Sergachev, they're at about 60% expected goals. With any other partner, he's not above 48%. So he's losing his minutes anytime he's not playing with Sergachev, And they just, like we said, they don't have that depth. They don't have a McDonough who they can throw down And have a shutdown pairing. And if they do get desperate and they need to put him with Sergachev, those bottom two pairings are going to be terrible. Like Chernak is a is a solid enough defenseman, but I don't think he's good enough to carry another pair. So those two, Sergachev and and Hedman, they've both played over seventy five minutes or seventy five games this year, playing twenty four minutes a night. They've had three straight playoff runs. Hedman's thirty two. Like
1: at a certain point, you just got to wonder if he's slowing down a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, it's and it's not a knock against Hedman, but how long can you play as the a top three defenseman in the NHL consistently without slowing down or without taking a step back? And it just kind of if your name's not Nick Lidstrom, yeah, if your name's not Nick Lidstrom, winning the Norris at like forty or whatever. But I just at some point I feel like you you start to tail off a little bit. And is he tailing off enough where he can't be as impactful in this next two weeks? as he's been in the past. And I just wonder maybe this is kind of, this is not the end, but he just isn't as good anymore to be able to carry Nick Perbex and be on the top pair. And I just, I don't know if he's fully got that 30 minutes and I still in him against an Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner combo.
0: Yeah. I think last year he played about 26 minutes a night and he was incredible. Like he was really, really good in that series. But he's he had a lot more support. Yeah, if he's playing Austin Matthews, that's a lot different than playing John Tavares and William Mielander. As good players as they are, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are just a whole different beast. And yeah, he's got a, he's got a really tough challenge ahead of him. It's going to be interesting to see how him and Basilevsky deal because those two are kind of going to – they're going to dictate so much of what happens in this series. Um, and just looking at the deal, like we lost Jake Muzzin, but we had Jake McCabe who – after a bit of a slow start, he has been incredible, and he's been paired with TJ Brody, and we know exactly what that D pair is going to do. They're going to be the ones that go out against that Kucherov point, Stam line, and I feel pretty comfortable having those guys out there.
1: What a difference it makes not having your shutdown pair have a guy like Hall on it where you uh, he might be good, but then also he's going to have a big brain fart every game. When Brody and McCabe are on the ice, I know that nothing bad is going to happen with Tor- like in Toronto's end. I feel so confident in those two; they're so great off the rush. They're so great uh, breaking up the cycle. You know, uh, they can be physical at times. You know, we've seen McCabe kind of get into it with a few guys. Like, what an addition for the Leafs! He has just been everything as advertised and more. I uh, I feel so confident going into the series with him versus like the way that our defense looked before. And just yeah, like you said, being able to replace Muzzin with McCabe, who of course, isn't as good as prime Jake Muzzin, but um, that hole has been filled a lot better than the way that I feel Tampa has with uh, putting an Ian Cole over uh, for Ryan McDonough.
0: Yeah, he has been such a good addition. Like The fact that we not only got him for a pretty low price, but we have him for two more years at $2 million per year is just... Extend Kyle Dubas right now on that alone. But him and Brody together, they've played 170 minutes and they're at a 59% expected goals, which is like incredible stuff like they're doing they're doing amazing they're playing tough competition if they can co- quiet down that that point line like that's going to be incredible for the Leafs and it's the kind of shutdown pairing that if if Tampa does not pair uh Hedman and Sergeyev together they don't really have the the capability of matching that and then you mentioned Hall where yes I don't like him playing the other team's top competition because he does have that brain fart in him but if you have him on a third pair with a Mark Giordano, you know somebody who you know is always going to make the right play, playing against the the bottom pairing or the bottom lines of the other team. I feel really good about the way that looks. And then, you know, Morgan Riley, we know his flaws, but he's he's playing with Luke Shen. I think that's probably the pairing I have the least confidence in right now. But they they bring two things we need. Riley brings that offense, and Shen, as much as I prefer Lilligren as a player. I am okay with the Leafs giving Shen a chance here to start the series just because we saw what he did against Patrick Maroon, that big hit, that fight. So I'm willing to give him a chance in game one in the playoffs. If he doesn't look too out of place, then he could be bringing something valuable for us.
1: And I really believe in playoff Riley. I've thought Riley has looked the best um, that he's played all season in the last, like, two weeks. You know, he's really stepped his game up. Uh, I'm starting to feel like Morgan Riley maybe is – trying less and less to be a game 35 player and he's more focused on being a game 83 player uh, because, you know, we saw him maybe deal with some injuries this year, but recently, you know, he's been carrying the puck a lot more. He's, uh, he's being that Rover, which we've seen at his best. He can be that uh, fourth man in and uh, be able to really bring offense from the back end. And I've been a lot more confident in Riley recently. So if he's able to kind of carry Shen around and Shen's able to, Maybe move a few bodies out from front of the net and maybe give a couple face washes. Then that could be a that could be a really good pair, and we could be looking at a pretty solid decor, like you were saying. And uh, just one more thing on McCabe and Brody. I don't know if you saw, but um, Domlischin's model came out uh, with their final uh, season uh, rankings, and uh, TJ Brody and uh, Jake McCabe were both top fifteen, I think, in uh, defensive defenseman, and I think Giordano was twentieth. So it's a pretty good decor and. Uh, not making a ton of money, which is great for the future. But uh, yeah, going into this series, that made me feel pretty confident uh, seeing those three up there.
0: Yeah, having three of the best defensively graded defensemen out of the best 20 in the league, that's huge. And uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think Tampa had any. So again, there's just there's so much depth there. Tampa has the big name still. They have Hedman, they have Point, they have Kucherov, they have Vasilevsky but they're leaning on them so much more than they were before. Like they don't have the Yanni Gord, the Blake Coleman, the, the Barclay Goodrow. They don't have that kind of depth. Now they're a, a very top heavy team. Whereas the Leafs, they have guys, like we mentioned, McCabe, Giordano, Hall, these guys are good players and they can really support our stars. So it's really, we're kind of burying what we're going to say with the prediction part, but like the Leafs have to do it this year because this, Tampa's a tough opponent. They're 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 battle tested, but like if you just look at this from a rational perspective, I know hockey's not rational, but man, we just have advantages in every area right now.
1: Except goaltending. Except, except goaltending, but I this is a team that lost to Tampa by one goal in one game last year and they came back, they improved every position they had. The only thing that I would take from last year's team over this team was I'd love to see Spetza back. I do miss him a lot. <laughs> but th- that is the only place that I would I would take last year's team over. You know, I, I love this team. There's nothing I would change about the group. I think that they have an unbelievable team set to go really far. And, um, yeah, there's no excuse this year. This is the year that you have to get it done. And um, Tampa looks really vulnerable right now. And, you know, if you and I are sitting here in two weeks going, well, they lost, like – I, I want it like there will be no excuses like you, you just you have to win this is the time to to really take it to them and like we should be we should be celebrating in in my opinion less than two weeks but
0: I hope so man and we'll we'll get to that prediction in a little bit but yeah there's there's a lot of advantages all over the ice but the one advantage that we have to bring up that Tampa has is a net and Andre Vasilevsky he's the he's probably the single scariest player to face in a playoff series outside of probably Connor McDavid. I think McDavid would scare me more, but south of him, like Vasilevsky is capable of single-handedly winning this series for Tampa. And that horrifies me. Um, But if we look at the numbers this year, and again, we looked at the numbers for Carey Price before the Montreal series, and then what happened? He played out of his mind, and they beat us. So I take this with a grain of salt, but Samsonov this year, 42 games, 919 save percentage, 233 goals against average, and he had 18 goals saved above expected. For anybody who doesn't know what that means, basically, you know, there's expected goals that are that are expected to go in against a team given the chances that they give up. This number measures whether a goalie is overperforming or underperforming that. So Samsonov has been excellent. He stopped 18 more goals than he should have. That's 10th in the league. And on a per minute basis, since he played fewer games, he's actually eighth in the league. Vasilevsky, he's right there with him. He's ninth in the league per minute. So on a regular season standpoint, these guys have been very equal. They've been basically interchangeable. Two Russian goaltenders drafted in the first round. You know, Vasilevsky's got that nine fifteen, a little south of Sammy's nine nineteen. But it's been a neck-and-neck neck battle. But we know the playoffs are a different beast. We know Vasilevsky almost always levels up in the playoffs. We don't know what we're going to see from Samsonov. So how are you feeling about this goaltending matchup right now?
1: I of course it's um, it is Vasilevsky, and that's the thing. If Vasilevsky decides that he wants to be playing hockey in round two, then more than likely Tampa was going to be playing hockey in round two. Like he has that big of an impact on the series. But um, I think Samsonov's been just as good as anybody in the NHL this season, um, and so as I believe that Tampa could win the series based on goaltending. But what I'm happy about this year that maybe wasn't the case last year is I don't think Toronto's going to lose the series on goaltending. I I believe in Samsonov. I like our three goalies. Um, I think that there's, there's if, if, you know, if Samsonov isn't going, we do have other options. Um, But of course it it is hard to put Samsonov above Vasilevsky. Like he's, he's the number one guy until he's been taken off his throne. And uh, I, I am really curious on how Samsonov does. And if he can be the guy to, to stand across from him and maybe take a couple of games or take a game and um, and really uh, and really cement himself as one of the best goalies in the NHL. Yeah, we've said kind of
0: the same thing about Jack Campbell last year last year but we had a lot less confidence in it, but basically Samsonov does not have to win this series. He just can't lose it for the Leafs. If he if he plays average, not even to the level that he's played this year, just bang average, I'm almost positive the Leafs are winning this series barring a Herculean performance from Vasilevsky, but we've seen him be above average. I'm a little bit worried. The one thing that worried me this year, maybe it's a little stupid, but was that Samsonov looked bad against his former team in Washington this year and admitted after the game that he was slightly nervous. But everybody has a bad game, but that kind of stuck with me a little bit. So it'll be a big relief for me if I could see him perform well in game one.
1: Underrated aspect. He is a new father, and he has the dad strength, and he is going to. I, I don't know what his son's name is. I think it's like Sergey. I think for his son Sergey Samsonov, <laughs> he is going to pull through. I don't think his name Sergey, but it's he's got to he's to pull it through for his son. You know, he's got to get a photo of his son in the cup. I think that's going to be a that's going to be a big factor. All the Leafs babies they've had over the last two weeks, we got to get photos of them in the cup. So. That's going to be the thing that propels them across the finish line here. So yeah, his son's name is not uh, Sergey
0: Samsonov, who uh, the former Boston Bruin. Um, it is Miroslav. But yeah, he uh, and I'm not. Let's not. Uh, let's not pretend that I knew that, guys. Um, no, I actually found that during a quick little break here. But um, let's hope he makes Miroslav proud. Let's hope he has kind of a Fred Van Vleet post-childbirth playoff run here. Um, and I feel. I feel pretty good with him because he has played in big moments this year. Like he's played against good teams. He hasn't skipped a beat um, as long as he can be confident. And we know we saw somewhat of injury concerns for him. Like he, he rested the last week of the year, but he's been practicing. We know he's going to play. And in his last game, he was unbelievable against Florida. So he's coming in hot. If he can play the way he's capable of, we're in good hands. And it's not like he's never played in the playoffs either. He played last year and he was pretty solid for Washington. Like he didn't, he definitely did not lose them that series against uh against Florida. So I feel okay with him. Um, do you expect to see a better Vasilevsky than we saw last year? I know we saw an 897 from him. He was unbelievable in game seven and and good in game six as well. But do you think the Leafs can get to him again?
1: I think the my biggest fear is I think Vasilevsky knows that he has to be the best player in the series for Tampa to win. I think if Vasilevsky is anything less than the MVP of the series, I'm taking Toronto at 99%. Like it's, I, I just, he has to be the number one guy. And I think he knows that. And I think he knows that he has it in him to be that. So that's my biggest fear is that he can come out and he can, he can really put on a show. And so um, I think that's there for him. Uh, But yeah, like it's, He's had an okay season. You know, he hasn't been anything close to the Vesna caliber we've seen in the past. And he played a lot of games. And I don't know. I just... I'm not as scared of Vasilevsky as maybe I've been in the past. And that might be me being naive. But uh, he has played a lot of hockey recently. And just... I wonder at what point does it catch up to him? At what point is the defense just not as good as it was anymore? Are the shots that he has to face uh, like harder than they've been? Uh, There's just... There's so many factors here. But it is... As much as I want to, it is so hard to count Vasilevsky out because of the the pedigree and the history that he has shown.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to count him out for sure. I think I think he is going to be really good, whether his save percentage shows it or not. Like like I don't think he was particularly bad last year. The save percentage was just kind of what it was. The least played really good, had good shots, and he was good when it mattered. I think I think they know they can beat him though. So I I'm not. I am horrified of him. I'm not going to lie. If, if he were not between the pipes for Tampa, I would be I would be 99% sure um, that we were going to win this series. So he does scare me. Uh, but if you look behind the starting goalies, it's no contest for the Leafs. Like Tampa has Brian Elliott, who was an absolute train wreck this year, sub, sub 900 save percentage. Whereas the Leafs have Joe Wall, who's unproven but played incredibly well for the Marlies this year, played unbelievably well for the Leafs as well. Um, and they have an injured Matt Murray who we don't really know the status of, but I certainly feel a lot more comfortable in our depth on forward defense and then in goaltending as well. So if, if, if Vasilevsky tweaks something, pulls his groin, or if, you know, we decide to run him over like a, like a choo-choo train, then I think Tampa's is going to be done. So let's hope that, uh, that nobody does get injured for the Leafs, but if, uh, let's say Sammy does. Get lit up. We got a question from Brady Barrow about this. Let's say Sammy has a couple bad games or um, is injured and you need to go to another goalie. Let's say Matt Murray's at about you know 70%, you're not sure, 70-80%, or Joe Wall. Who are you going with in net between those two?
1: My my b- brain says Joe Wall because of how good I've seen him look this year. And I he just he's been the guy, you know, when he's been called upon, you know, he's looked really good. But the my heart says I would go with Murray because Murray has been in a game seven facing Andre Vasilevsky and looked him in the eye and said, this is my game and won the game before he sat there in Stanley cup finals. And he said, don't worry, boys, I got us. He's won playoff overtime games. I got us boys. And there's this part of my, my barbarian brain that just, looks at a, a an image in my head that I've had since we traded for him, which was my only rationale of why it was a good idea, was Austin Matthews in a game seven looking across the room at a goalie who goes, boys, I got us. And it's maybe the first time in his career in the NHL that he's had that and that confidence of, I got us. He may let four goals in, but that fifth goal in game seven is not going in. So as long as we get four, we're good. Yeah, I
0: I don't know. It, it would obviously if we're just saying that he he hasn't played a game obviously when he, but he is available, I think I'm still going to Joe Wall. Depends on the situation though. If it's let's say it's uh, you know, a game 3 and the series is 1-1 or something like that, but Sammy has looked horrible or Sammy has gotten hurt, then I'm going to Joe Wall. If it's a situation where there's a ton of pressure. Then it's a game six, game seven scenario. Then I might go to Matt Murray cause he would have had more time too, but I don't know. Joe wall. He's, he's been into the meditation. You know, he's, he's got, he's got a good mental headspace. So honestly, I I'm leaning towards him because how can you deny what he's done for the Leafs the last two years and then what he's done in the AHL. So I think if we had to, I'm, I'm riding with Joey wall.
1: Well, it's wild too, because I feel like you and I could be sitting here in 365 days doing next year's playoff preview and be talking about how Joseph Wall is the starter. Like that's how good he's looked. Like you, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you know we're we're sitting here next year and he's played 40 games and he's looked unreal as the as a one A one B with whoever they go with, and then we're talking about him playing game one. Like it's just and then he like he might be there already. Like it just it's wild how well he's looked this year and like yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that wool would be the best option. I just I have that that vision in my head of Matt Murray that I think would be really funny. I got us, boys, don't worry.
0: Yeah, I, I see your point. I just think, yeah, like Joe Wall, he could be the future between the pipes for us. He's, he's a six foot four guy, he's got the perfect frame for a goalie. Like sometimes guys are like sometimes guys are just ready. Like like he's unproven, but maybe he's goalies are we know they're random. He's only twenty-four. Like he's he could be the guy that steps up for us. Who knows? He could be the first goalie to lead us to the cup. You, never, you, you don't always end up with just one goalie in the playoff run. We saw that with Pittsburgh, with uh, with Murray and Fleury in the past. Like We've seen it. So I, I might give Joe a crack. Now, moving on to the next topic. I want to talk about X factors for this series. So before you say yours, I'm going to say my X factor for this series. I have two of them. The first one is the power play, the dreaded... Playoff power play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Last year against Tampa, they scored four goals. They they converted at 14%. Not good enough. Tampa scored seven power play goals. Somehow they got more opportunities despite being a dirty team. And they were clicking at 21%. So they had three more goals in the power play than us last year in a series that came down to a goal. So for me, if we can score as many power play goals as Tampa, if we don't get beat up, on special teams, I can't see a way that we lose this series.
1: And I think it's interesting too, because there was a power play change today. I don't know if we talked about this, but they uh, they had Ryan O'Reilly up on that top power play unit and Nylander on his own. And um, I saw a lot of people kind of poo-pooing on the uh, the Nylander on the uh, the second power play unit, taking him off. But I, I do like that if you're going to be fine with your stack top unit and then Nylander, I feel pretty confident in his ability to – He's probably the number one guy that I would have on a PP2 is the ability to run it by himself because he's shown that ability to be the facilitator as well as the guy who can take the shot. Um, So I I would feel confident about him and you're kind of spreading it out a little bit more and that PP2 looks pretty good right now too. So yeah, a lot of the previous series have just been if you got one more power play goal. So I think that you're right with that power play as being an X factor. And yeah, if those big boys can sneak one in Spencer Carberry can help lead us to a to an extra power play goal. I think we'd we'd be feeling pretty good about ourselves in this series.
0: Yeah, for me it's tough to say about Willie because the leaf power play this year has been second in the league, 26%. And Willie's been a big, big part of that. He scored 40 goals. Um, Ryan O'Reilly, we saw how he's been pretty good on the power play. And you make a good point that you know, if we have Willie and Yarnkroc on power play too, that's two guys who can really rip it. So it does make it more of a threat, but we see in the playoffs, typically teams lean on that number one power play. They, they almost keep it out for the whole, um, you know, the whole two minutes sometimes. So I am kind of questioning that, but honestly, with the way that our power play has performed playoff after playoff, I'm okay with getting a proven playoff guy in Ryan O'Reilly in there, at least to start, because if you look at the Leafs in the Matthews era, they've had a 24% power play in the regular season. In the playoffs, that's dropped down to 16%. So Willie's been a part of that, Willie's been off of that sometimes. But I, you know, I'm I'm not always going to say the power play was this good in the regular season. This is obviously going to carry over to the playoffs because it simply doesn't. So if we get O'Reilly in there, if it if it doesn't go well for the first game, then I think I would want to see Willie in there as soon as possible. But Whatever could work. And Willie, you know, maybe we do just have it. So we we give the first unit 90 seconds, put that second power play unit. If, if Willie's not out there, even if it's O'Reilly, you feel like, okay, we're just basically playing out the next 30. But, you know, if if Willie comes on when Tampa's changing, he kind of gets the puck on the rush, gets his own entry. He's got that game-breaking ability to kind of do something by himself. So I am I can see the logic behind it.
1: Yeah, but I and and like you said too, it's a it's a very easy change to just throw Nylander back up on that top unit. We could see them make that adjustment mid game, where maybe Ryan O'Reilly's out for a face off or something, and then he shoot he shoots off for Nylander to come on, and um, or maybe halfway through the power play, you know, we've seen at times where maybe Tavares goes off and Riley goes off, and Matthews and Marner stay on for a little bit longer. Maybe that's an opportunity for a fresh Nylander to fly over the boards with those two big guys still out there. Um, there's just, there's a lot of versatility and I like how I feel like most of this conversation, we've been talking a lot about what Tampa is going to look like, but there's so many question marks about Toronto because of how versatile this lineup can be. And I think that that's going to be really big this, uh, this playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a gift and a curse because some, sometimes you like that continuity that you kind of know what you're going to get, but also, yeah, if, if things aren't working, we know we can change it. We saw Ch- Keith basically just putting it in a blender for the last 20 games. So I do hope that he can find something kind of consistent that works for him. Uh, But we know he's going to mix and match a lot. Like even Morgan Riley, he's going to play with Luke Shen. Luke Shen's going to play 10 to 12 minutes a night. Morgan Riley is going to find minutes even beyond those extra power play minutes where he might go up for a shift with Brody or he might play with Giordano, something like that for a shift. So, yeah, we have a lot of kind of maneuverability. Um,
1: Now on to X-Factors. Do you have any X-Factors that you want to uh, bring up? I think my X-factor is the same as it was last year. So, I'm going with Austin Matthews. I think uh I think at some point in every great player's career in any sport, they just say it's my time. I'm just team on my back. And I think that Austin Matthews, he's the type of guy we've seen it where, you know, he can take six games and he can score eight goals no problem in the regular season. And I just feel at some point he's He's so good that there'll be some crazy year where he gets 24% shooting percentage in the playoffs and, you know, he wins the defensive matchup and you're sitting there at the end of the series and maybe Tampa goes, you know what? We played a great series, but we ran into Austin Matthews. And I feel like he maybe didn't have the greatest regular season. He took a lot of flack online and a lot of people kind of calling him out after that great year he had last year. And I just feel at some point he's been heating up recently It's just, this is my team. I'm putting us on our back. Let's go far here right now off of me.
0: Yeah. Like it's almost hard to call him an X factor because he's the franchise, but you're right. The, The series will obviously hinge on what him and Marner can do. And last year they showed us that like he, he didn't have a Connor McDavid, you know, two points a game type of series, but nine points in seven games, you know with four goals and you know some of those being absolutely massive goals he showed that the moments at least not too big for him now so he's he's probably going to go into this playoffs with a little bit more confidence as well so i'm kind of excited to see if he can take that confidence and say i'm just going full beast mode because we saw him heat up like you said at the la- at the end of the year he had that you know eight goals in six games six goals eight games whatever type type of streaks he was kind of putting up near the end of the year got him to 40 goals But he was looking like he might have been saving himself for this. So I'm excited to see if he, we talk about Tampa's gear. I'm excited to see if Austin Matthews has another gear he can reach. Now, speaking of guys who have another playoff gear, my third X factor for us is Ryan O'Reilly. I know we talked about him being on PP1, but he's just such a big addition to me. Um, I feel like he's such a reliable guy. You kind of know what you're going to get from him. And a big reason why I think he's an X factor is what I talked about earlier with Tampa loading that line, that Stamkos line. I feel like he might get to end up seeing a lot of that matchup as as Tampa tries to match up Sorelli and Matthews. So if he can play that line even, and if he can do something, you know, to contribute on the power play, he's going to be the difference between the Leafs getting through or not. Like he's – I'm just so happy to have him on the team, Noah.
1: And a big thing too, like you can, like on the road, I really, I really do think that on the road, they're going to want to switch it up to maybe that top nine where Ryan O'Reilly's on the third line, just to give you three, three kind of bigger lines to roll um, to roll when you don't have last change. Uh, but he, any, he, like, of course, maybe they even don't, but like, there's just, he brings so much versatility. You don't know what you could get with him. Like, like it just, it, it changes the complexion of the lineup so much. And he's, got a huge track record of being him in the playoffs, like being the guy, I got us, don't worry, scoring big goals, five goals in the Stanley Cup final. Like when you need him, he could literally do anything. You know, he could be a point producer, defensive god, matchup king. Uh, He, he can do anything. And so I just, when you have him in there, like I just, I'm so confident in this team right now. Like if you just look at his last four playoff runs, 2019,
0: the cup year, Conn Smythe, 23 points in 26 games the next year 11 points in 9 games the next year 3 points in 4 games the next year 12 points in 12 games he was never a point of game guy in the regular season in any of those years and in 3 of the 4 he was over a point of game like he's just got another gear. it's it's undeniable at this point that he's just he's the exact kind of guy you want for the playoffs he's he's two way player you know he can he's not afraid to to lay the body like he's just He's such a complete forward that we didn't have. And yeah, I, I'm curious to see if he does play on the third line in uh, when we are in Tampa. It, it could make sense. Um, but I could see them also just not doing that because maybe they don't trust Tavares alone to face that, uh, that higher end line of Tampa. So it'll be interesting to see how he's used. I think maybe if he is in that third line role, um, in the Tampa games, that he'll probably slide up to play a few shifts with that second line anyway. So,
1: yeah, he's he's got a massive, massive role to play for the Leafs. Yeah, we're so lucky to have him this year. This is it's like it's just like like we were saying, it changes everything. And so, uh, yeah, I and I feel so confident. You know, if he's going up against a Nick Paul line, I feel confident that they'll take that out if he's on that third line or yeah, going up against any of those top two lines. You know, it's just. It just makes such a difference, and hopefully he can. Uh, hopefully he comes through because I, I think we both believe he can. Definitely. Now, um, we did ask for a couple uh, questions from
0: Twitter as well. So Justin pogie on Twitter asked us, Tampa can't match the skill this time around. They're clearly going with speed and an in-your-face approach. So with that said, how nervous are we that bunting might cost us a game or two with his temper or, or just given the fact that the refs seem to have some kind of vendetta against him?
1: I think that that's for sure something that could definitely happen. You know, we were seeing Corey Perry targeting him in that, uh, in that most recent game, the two teams played against. And I think that they might try to exploit that and try to get that top line off the ice because you're going on the penalty kill. Cause Bunting does something stupid or maybe department of player safety has to get involved over something that Bunting does. Like there's, there's definitely, they're going to be antagonizing him, but, I uh, I don't think it'll be enough to to lose a game this series. I think that uh, I I think he's going to be on his best behavior. You know, we saw him trying to be on his best behavior. They were even they were trying to give him uh, give him penalties, but he he's been doing really good the last two weeks, and I just I hope that continues for him and the refs don't antagonize him too much, and he can still be effective.
0: Yeah, I don't see any Nazem Kadri type scenarios from him where he absolutely loses it because he has been calming down the last while, even though he's been getting treated horrendously by the refs. I saw that athletic article that laid out kind of all the penalties that weren't called against him. Um, I think the worst thing that happens yeah, is just that maybe Tampa's able to take him off his game because they're getting away with so much because the refs just simply aren't calling it that he has to get bumped down to the third line and then Yarncroft comes up to that first line, which... We saw Matthews light it up with Yarncroft, too. So, again, I, I it's not something I'm too, too concerned about. Uh, but that does bring me into another concern that uh, that Matthew can brought up, which is the refs. Um, so he asked a few different things,
1: but I'll just kind of rephrase it a little bit.
0: Are you concerned about the refs this year?
1: Uh, For sure. You know, Tampa does have such a lethal power play that's been playing together forever, and they've come up in big moments in playoffs and uh, regular season before. So, you know, if the refs give them a couple extra penalties, or they give them a an easy call somewhere in a important game, like I, I am scared of that, of course, and I'll get into that a little bit with my prediction. But um, yeah, I, it is something to definitely think about. If they can, if the refs are giving out penalties like they were last year and making calls that kind of happened in game five and in game six and seven. Um, I think that that could easily sway a series that looks to be pretty close. Um, even though we have Toronto pretty far ahead, it could be the difference. You know, I One big fear I've been having is that Toronto does take game one and two. And then you look at game three and we're talking about dumb penalties that are getting called because maybe the refs or the NHL might want to keep it a little bit longer and they don't want that 3-0. Like, I, I could totally see scenarios like that where there might be a few softies called.
0: Yeah, and like I said earlier, the fact that Tampa was given five more power plays in that series against the Leafs last year didn't really rub me the right way given the way that Tampa plays, but they get the respect cuz they're the champs. It's almost like NBA style where, you know, the best players get the calls. Tampa seems to be a team that really gets the calls. So a guy that I'm wondering about is Luke Shen. Like when Luke Shen played for Tampa, he was allowed to cross-check guys in the back and do whatever he wanted. I'm curious to see what the leash is like for him if if he's allowed to play that playoff style hockey, that Ben Sherratt cross checking Austin Matthews in the back 17 times without a call style of hockey. If it's just it, it's such an a variable that we can, we can't control, we don't know about. It's I guess not worth getting worked up about before it's even happened. Uh, but I do I just hope that they can keep it close, and I hope that we can um, you know get it to the point where the refing doesn't affect where we're up, we're just outclassing Tampa so much that a couple cheap calls here and there won't really cost us. All right, now it is time. It's time to make our predictions on this series. I think we've both spoken about this to each other before, so we know what we're up to, but Noah, what is your, first we're gonna do prediction on the series, and then after we've done that, we're gonna do a one bold prediction each as well. So prediction for the
1: series. So my prediction is Leafs and six. I really want to say Leafs and five, and I was saying Leafs in five for a little bit, but I think it's going to be Leafs and six uh, because I think you have to give Vasilevsky a game maybe later in the series. You know, if it's, if it's close, the Leafs might be up and he, he maybe extends it by a game. I think you got to give him one. And I do think that you have to account for the Tampa power play slash refs in one game where maybe they come out and, you know, Tampa gets two power plays in the first 10 minutes and the game's 2-0 and the Leafs aren't in it or they get some big power plays at the end of the game or in overtime and they uh, they win that. So that's why I say Leafs in six. Um, but I, I do really want to say Leafs in five. I think the talent is there for Leafs in five, but there's a few question marks that I think Tampa will work out a few, uh, a few extra wins. That's a fair prediction. Um, I just...
0: I've seen Tampa be a sub 500 team on the road this year. And they're such a good home team that I think it's going to be hard to beat them at home in the playoffs on, on the road, on a game six, even though we almost did it last year. So it's, it's certainly not something I would write off, but me, as you can tell where I'm probably going with this, I'm going to say Leafs in five and people might say this is biased, whatever, but I predicted Tampa in six last year. I've seen enough that makes me think Leafs in five this year. We took them to seven last year. We got way better. We added O'Reilly. We've just we have way better goaltending than we had last year. Tampa lost two key, key cogs to their playoff machine. I think the Leafs are gonna go up to nothing, maybe even three-nothing. They're gonna lose one of those two in Tampa and then they're gonna come home and they're gonna take care of business. So we say the curse is gonna end. We we both believe. We've both drank the Kool-Aid for the seventh year in a row. And before we go,
1: we got to just make one more bold prediction. So, Noah, what's your bold prediction for this series? Uh, my biggest bold prediction, I think that the Leafs are going to blank Tampa in games one and two. I think Tampa's going to come out. They're they're going to think that they're going to flip the switch and come into Toronto and win. And then Toronto's just going to come out with a big win like they did last year in game one. And they're going to go into game two and take another one. Like, big, big score, um, maybe even chase the goalie. I don't know. Just I think it'll be they'll come out flying in games one and two, and Tampa will really need to regroup, uh, flying back to Tampa. But uh, my boldest prediction is I think that we're going to have a two nothing series lead um, heading into into Tampa, um, just based on how I think Toronto's going to come out and just the hunger they're going to have, and Tampa's going to need a little bit to get going here and wake up. And that's something that they lacked last year. Every time they got up in the series, they
0: lost the next game. They were up 1 nothing, 2 1, 3 2. They could never stretch it to two. Um, I'm not looking past game one in any way. I'm going to be an absolute nervous wreck, probably shitting my pants that day. But if they can get that game one, I do feel good that they're going to get game two as well. I just think they, they're learning lessons from last year. We've always talked about lessons with this team, but I do think that they're going to really take it to Tampa. Uh, my bold prediction is uh, – I don't know if it's a more uh, – yeah, I'd say it's more bold than yours – is that Ilya Samsonov will have a higher save percentage than Andrei Vasilevsky in this series. I think Vasilevsky may be the better goalie in this series, um, but the defense that the Leafs are going to play in front of him allows Samsonov to post a higher save percentage. I think Samsonov is going to play well, and I think we're going to get past Vazzy. Obviously, as someone who thinks the Leafs are going to win in five, that means – I don't think Bazzy is stealing more than a game at most right now.
1: Man, that's a bold take. Samsonov over Vazzovsky, I love it. Higher save percentage, that's unreal. I hope so, man. Holy. I hope so. And I hope all of our predictions are correct because that would mean that the demon is
0: slayed and that we're uh, we're shipping up to Boston, probably. I know you think the Panthers may uh, may have some upset potential. Me personally, I think the Leafs, are going to beat Tampa and move on and beat Boston as well. Um, But Noah, it's been
1: great. Do you have any other uh, thoughts you want to get off before we launch game one? Uh, If the Leafs do end up losing in seven this year, be kind to us in our mentions.
0: I don't even care what what they say in the mentions because I'll be far off of Twitter and far off of, I'll be blanking out uh, Toronto Maple Leafs until next April, if that happens, but it won't. This is the year. We believe, and uh, we will see you guys sometime during the series. Maybe after uh, game two, three, four. I'm not sure yet, but we will. Uh, we'll get together. We'll have something for you guys during the playoffs. So thank you for listening. And.